following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw, for our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. These last few passages in the Sermon on the Mount, just to remind you, Jesus gives us these contrasting images. Do you remember this? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the wide and the narrow road. That was the first contrasting image. This week, the images of the true and false prophets, or good and bad fruit is the other image that's in this passage. So Matthew 7, we're looking at verse 15 to 20. Jamie Carroll is going to come and read this passage for us. Thank you, Jamie. Come on up. You've got some supporters in the congregation. I can hear that, Jamie. Fantastic. <laughs> come on up, man. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their, good, by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Thanks, Jamie. Good stuff. There's a group that's uh, been reasonably active in New Zealand over the last several years, a group that claims to be a Christian group, but in reality is anything but a Christian group, and it fits very squarely into the category of a cult. Uh, the, the name of the group is Shinchonji. Uh, or SCJ for short. It's a Korean name. It originates in, in Seoul, uh, this cult, but it's spread around uh, various places, and New Zealand's one of the places where it's more active. They often don't talk about Shin Chonji. Uh, what the leaders of this group will do is they'll just start inviting people into a Bible study. And it starts off really subtly. They're very active in university campuses, and they will target people who seem to be maybe new Christians, maybe interested, maybe wanting to go deeper, and they'll just bowl up to people and invite them very casually and informally into a Bible study. Just say, hey, do you want to come and study the Scriptures with some other brothers and sisters in Christ? And they'll draw them in. And at first, it all seems really normal, and you're just sitting around studying the Bible. But the longer that you're in this thing, the less and less Christian it becomes, and the darker and darker it gets, and the more cult-like it gets, but you don't realize that at first. Because what they'll do is they'll plant other people in the group who are actually leaders of SCJ, but they'll pretend just to be other interested people who are exploring. And so it draws you in because you think everyone else around you is just so keen and so interested in this thing, so you should be as well. But as it progresses, the kinds of behaviors that this group espouses are totally incompatible with, with Christian teaching. The, the group becomes really, really deceptive really duplicitous. They will coach their members on how to lie to their friends and family in order to make their family less suspicious of what their kids are into. They will coach you on how to send the right kinds of texts to avoid suspicion from other people. And they will encourage you, if you have to, to lie to other people about your involvement in this group and, and justify it by saying, well, people in the Bible lied sometimes, that's okay, God's all right with it. When you peel back the layers of SCJ, this is a group that believes some things that are totally and utterly different to what the Bible teaches. They deny the doctrine of the Trinity. They deny that Jesus is the Son of God. The leader of SCJ in Korea 
claims to be this kind of messianic figure who is the incarnation of the Holy Spirit and fulfills all these prophecies in Revelation. So it's classic cult-like kind of behavior with this great esteemed leader kind of having this messianic role and everyone else is following along with that. And the reason that I mention this is because they pretty clearly fit into the kind of description Jesus gives us here of false prophets. I mean, when Jesus talks about false prophets, he says they will come to you and they'll look like sheep, but they will be ferocious wolves. That's exactly what SCJ does. So they, will, they totally appear to be Christian. And they seem like they're just you know, other brothers and sisters in Christ, but in reality, they are ferocious wolves. And that's not too strong a language to describe them. They, they shipwreck people's faith. They damage not just people's relationship with God, but they damage relationships then with friends and family. And they are a destructive force. And then this is not just a theory. This group is active in university campuses around New Zealand. They're active on the North Shore. There's another church just up the road that's got a warning about SCJ on its website. So this group is a very real problem in New Zealand. They will even infiltrate churches. People that have made recent decisions to become Christians, they'll kind of draw them away into their Bible study groups. I mention this because I don't want you to think that what Jesus is talking about here is some kind of abstract idea that's not relevant to us today. Maybe that's easy to do when you hear these words and you think, false prophets, you know, like, what is that? What False prophets are not something that we seem like we need to deal with. It doesn't seem like it's a very relevant issue today. The problem is the more that we think that, the more gullible we are, right? The more, the more naive we are, the more chance there is that we're going to be duped by groups like SCJ that pretend to be Christians but are anything but. So false prophets are a very real issue. It's not just this kind of theological idea. This is a very real present problem right here and right now. And it's not just SCJ. It's not just cult-like groups. I mean, you think like the rise of the internet has given rise to so much teaching. There's so much stuff, a lot of different stuff that, that claims to be biblical, claims to be Christian. You can watch a whole lot of different YouTube channels of people claiming to be Christian teachers, claiming to teach the Bible, and a lot of them are. There's a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of fantastic biblical teaching online. And then a lot of them are not. There is also a lot of stuff that distorts what the Bible says, that claims to be Christian, but actually moves in a different direction, or is taught by people whose lives are totally different than the message they are claiming to teach. And the reason that Jesus gives us these words in this sermon is because He wants us to develop discernment. This is what we need. This is what we're talking about. It's not just trying to find false prophets, false teachers. It is cultivating this virtue of wisdom so that we can tell right from wrong and truth from error. And not just right from wrong, but Charles Spurgeon's got a great quote. He said, discernment is not just being able to tell the difference between right and wrong. It's also being able to tell the difference between right and almost right. That's good, eh? I mean, that is where the real discernment comes in, is right or almost right, and then the almost is the problem a lot of the time, because almost right can sometimes be heresy. So, we need wisdom, we need discernment, 
and Jesus is going to show us how we can cultivate this in our lives. Okay, let's look more closely at what he says here. Verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. So we need to ask the question, what is a false prophet? And I think two things are really important here. It is important for us to be able to identify who and what false prophets are, but it is equally important to be able to identify who false prophets are not. Because the opposite problem is that we can take that label and we can slap it on people who are not false prophets and that can do just as much damage in the opposite direction. So we need discernment here in in two different ways. Does that make sense? I want to try and map this out for you on a continuum uh, and give you three different types of views to help us see false prophets in a broader context. Sometimes the best way of understanding these things is to compare them to things that seem similar. So we're going to look at uh, differences, we're going to think about error, and then we're going to talk about heresy. And it is in the category of heresy that we have false prophets. That's the group that Jesus is talking about. It is what we would call heresy. But let's just walk this through so you see similar similarities and some of the differences. So first of all, you have differences. Okay, Christians have different views on things. Okay, if we didn't already know this, then COVID has taught us <laughs> that Christians, as well as everybody else, have different views on all manner of topics, and that's okay. That is not something we need to worry about. That's not something we need to get concerned about. Christians have different views on theological issues, whether it is uh, charismatic gifts, whether it's gender roles in the church, different views on baptism, different views on the end times, different views on a whole lot of things. And that is fine. We don't need to all think exactly the same as Christians. We don't need to be cookie-cutter Christians who have exactly the same views on all of the same issues. It's okay to have diversity in what we believe. The point is, when it comes to differences, we're talking about things that are not fundamental doctrines. That's really important. We're not talking about what I would call first-order theology. That is fundamental issues related to salvation, or the identity of God. Okay, we're not talking about those things with differences. We're talking about second-order things, things that we can hold and disagree and dialogue and learn and still love each other and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. You might hear me teach on a passage of Scripture that is a little bit different to the way the pastor down the road is going to teach on that passage of Scripture. That's okay. Don't freak out. That's all right. That's just part of being a broad diverse church. One of the problems that we need to avoid is taking the label false prophet and slapping it on people just because they are different to us or they have a different perspective on a particular issue. I googled false prophets just to see who they were and you you know what? I didn't see any of your names, thankfully. But honestly, some of the names that came up are people that I would consider respected Bible teachers. People I think some of the best Bible teachers in the world. But there are other people who will jump online and blog about them and say, that's a false prophet. Now, what that means is, I disagree with you. But what they've done is play fast and loose with Jesus' words, take a label and apply it to someone in a completely inappropriate way. Now, that is arrogant for a person to claim, well, you know, what I think about these things is the only possible view. Anyone who disagrees with me has got to be a false prophet. And it undermines who the real false prophets are. 
and it actually makes us more susceptible to that teaching when we come across it. So we've got to be really careful. And this is indicative of our culture in general, isn't it? That we just have a tendency at the moment, when someone thinks something different to me, that we consider that person to be evil, we write them off, we cancel them, we don't want anything to do with them. When it comes to differences, we can't take that approach. We've got to be better than that as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we cannot take that label and apply it to someone just because they have a different view to you on something. That will cause more damage to the church. That will cause more disunity than the problem of being able to identify false prophets in the first place. So be careful that you don't call someone who is just different to you a false prophet. Differences are okay. And what should our response to differences be? Disagree, right? In love, we can disagree. So second category is error. Now this, I think, needs some real discernment, some real nuancing to see how error is different to heresy. When we're talking about error, theological error, we're talking about teaching that is unbiblical. We're talking about stuff that is not in line with Scripture. It's not good teaching. It's, it's not compatible with Scripture, but it is also not a fundamental doctrine. It is not a salvation issue. It is not something that is a fundamental tenet of Christian faith. It's still a second-order issue, but it's not good teaching and it's unbiblical. Let me give you an example. I would consider the prosperity gospel to be in this category of theological error. So that teaching, I won't go too far down this path, but basically the, theolo- the prosperity theology is that God's intention is to make you rich. If you give money to the church, to Christian ministries, God's going to return that to you tenfold. Essentially, riches are a sign of God's blessing. By implication, being poor is a sign of being cursed, or you don't have enough faith. That's the basic deal. That is garbage. That is terrible teaching that is completely incompatible with Scripture. And I'm happy to call that out. If I'm preaching a passage that deals with these issues, I will tell you that that teaching is wrong, and that's not good, and that can do damage. So that is theological error. But at the same time, we need the wisdom to see that that's not a salvation issue. I don't think we need to call that heresy. And you'll see, you'll see the difference. I might switch to a different mic, Dave. Do you think we're having trouble with the mic today? I'm going to go to a handheld, Dave. Okay, back on. You'll see this difference in a minute. But with theological error, our response should be to critique it. Okay? So we should call it out when we see it. We see things that are, we hear teaching that's unbiblical, it's not compatible with the teachings of Jesus. It's okay to say so. It's okay to say that does not line up with how I see Scripture. We've just got to be careful that sometimes we're still dealing with issues that are not fundamental issues of theology. But we have the discernment to be able to say there is heresy and there is theological error. And there are times when people can be in error, but can still be at the most fundamental level in line with historic Christian orthodoxy. So we can critique error, but we don't need to cancel. We don't need to completely disassociate from people in theological error and completely write them off. We need We need real wisdom in these areas, and we need each other as well to talk this through. We'll come to that. Okay, this might become clearer when you see the third category, which is 
the big one, heresy. All right? Some people, this is like, they get excited if we start talking about heresy. It's like some, some heresy hunters in the room. Heresy. This is where people or groups are denying fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith. And Scripture gives us examples. We don't even need to guess what sorts of things this is. In the New Testament, Paul's writing to the Galatians. He's dealing with people who are denying that salvation is only through Jesus. And he says to them, basically, those people should be cursed. Like, that's strong language. Paul's not using that language for everybody. He's not using that language for theological error. But he's saying, when it comes to you adding something to the the sufficient work of Jesus, at that point, you're out. In 1 John, John talks about people who deny that Jesus is the Son of God. And he he calls those people antichrists. That's where that word comes from, antichrists. So he's saying, that is heresy. That is not a minor problem to deny that Jesus is the Son of God. That is messing with something that is at the very root of the tree. You can't do that and still call yourself a brother or a sister in Christ. So that is heresy. And it's okay to say that's heresy. The church has always had heretics. It's just the reality. The first few centuries of the church, a lot of the theology that we hold to was hammered out in response to heresy. So people like Arius show up and say, well, you know, Jesus, I don't think he was the eternal son of God. I think he was created by God at a certain time. And the church says, eh, that's heresy. You're out. It wasn't quite like that. They had a bit more discussion. But that's basically what happened, is you have heretics that are then outside of Christian orthodoxy. And in some ways, you only know right theology when you see wrong theology. And this was the discussion and the debate that happened, particularly through the first few centuries of the church. So, there are still those, and SCJ is a good example, people that may claim to be Christians at some level, but they are denying things that are fundamental to what we believe. And at that stage, listen, it is, it is okay to say, these are not our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's okay. Now, our response here is not to be hostile, okay? I'm not advocating for some kind of... Uh, antagonistic behavior or or any kind of mean-spirited behavior. But what I am saying is is we can, at a certain point, the Christian faith is not just a free-for-all. There are beliefs that we hold in common. And when someone is outside of those beliefs and teaching things that fall outside of those beliefs, it's okay to say that's not Christian teaching. That is heresy. And it is that category that Jesus is talking about when he mentions false prophets people who are teaching things outside of Christian orthodoxy. When we hear that kind of teaching and we come across those kinds of people, our response should be to separate. Again, not to be unloving, not to be unkind. You may still read some material from SCJ just to understand them better. You might just, in the same way, I might read some of the Quran to understand Islam better. But we don't read these things to be influenced by them and to absorb them as our own beliefs. And there's a healthy separation that comes from saying, this is not Christian teaching, these are not Christian people, and we're not going to consider them brothers in Christ. There is a healthy separation that comes when we're dealing with the category of heresy. So maybe that continuum helps you a little bit to identify when we're really talking about false prophets and false teachers. I'm kind of using those terms interchangeably a little bit. But also to recognize times 
we're not dealing with false prophets and false teachers, and we've got no right putting that label on people who are not in that category. Okay, while you're thinking about that, let me give you another layer to this, because Jesus gives us another criteria by which we can identify false prophets. In verse 16, he says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So what Jesus is doing here is he is saying there is a test of character that you can also apply to understanding whether a person is a false prophet or not. The good tree is someone who's genuinely a follower of Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is when someone is genuinely a follower of his, their life to some degree is going to reflect that. They're not going to be perfect. They're not going to get everything right. But their life in some way will resemble the teaching uh, of Christ. If they are not a genuine follower of Jesus, then the fruit that is born from their life is not going to reflect the character of Christ. What that means for us is that when you are trying to decide whether to follow a certain person's teaching or subscribe to a certain person's YouTube channel or even come to a church with a certain kind of pastor, like you should be asking this question everywhere. The, one of those questions is, does this person's life reflect what they're teaching? Now, you're not asking, I hope, for perfection, but you're saying, can I see some fruit in that person's life around what they're claiming to believe and who they're claiming to follow? Again, SCJ is a classic example of this, because when they encourage practices like deception and lying, especially to your close friends and family, then they betray the fact that they are not real followers of Jesus. That fruit is bad fruit. That's not in keeping with the character of Christ, and it's not in keeping with the kind of lives that Jesus calls us to follow. So we need to be asking ourselves, is the, can I see good fruit from this teacher? I know you, you're not always going to know. You, you decide to follow someone on YouTube. You don't, you're not up close to their lives. But it's one of the questions, not the only question, one of the questions that we can ask. Now, even with this, we need to be careful. And there is a caveat to this, and that's this. Sometimes it is hard to see the real fruit. Sometimes it is hard to see the real character because that can sometimes be part of the deception. Sometimes it's hard to really see the quality of the character of the person. There's, uh, there, there is a little bush that grows in Israel as well as other places called the buckthorn bush. And it has, this, it has a little fruit on it, these little orange pieces of fruit. And it looks like that's good fruit. From a distance, it looks like you could eat that fruit. But when you get up close, and especially if you try and eat it, it's bitter, and it's inedible, and it's probably going to make you sick. And that is the kind of discernment we need when it comes to character. You can have people who look like from a distance, they've got good character. And it looks like, yeah, they seem to be living out the teachings of Jesus. That's the kind of person I want to follow. Sometimes when you get up close to that person's life, you see it's not all that it's made out to be. And you see the character is not what they were projecting. People can project something. They can have a persona. It's not always in keeping with who they are on the inside. And here's something to remember. Real fruit is shown over time. You're not just going to see it all at once. Over time, the real fruit will be shown. So you may have someone that you're listening to, following, connecting in with. They seem like 
The character is there. They seem like that's okay. Give it time. Give it time. If they're genuine, the genuine follower of Jesus, over time you will see good fruit in their life. If they're not, if there's something else going on, if it's more sinister, over time you will see that. The real fruit comes out over time. But you can't just take a snapshot of it. You've got to look over time. So character is one question and one test. It's not the whole picture. We need to have real wisdom, but it is one of the questions that we should ask. All right, let me just give you then four practical steps that you can take around this. How do we, how do we live this out, walk this out in community when we're trying to have discernment around which teaching to follow, which people to listen to, which voices to listen to? Four quick things. Number one, don't be a heresy hunter, all right? Don't, I know some of you, a message like this, it's like, all right, now that's what I'm going to be doing all week. I'm going down the rabbit hole, man. I'm going to find every heretic I can, and I'm going to unearth every false doctrine. And listen, we need, we need to be vigilant. Yep, we need to be careful, but don't make it your life's goal to unearth every heretic because then you're going to start seeing heretics around every corner, and you're going to be in danger of that first mistake, slapping the label much too quickly on a very broad group of people. So we need discernment, but don't proactively go out there and make this some kind of witch hunt. Just don't be that person. Number two, know your Bible. There is no substitute for this. Most cults, could I say all cults? Probably all cults have started because of terrible Bible interpretation. A lot of this is what it comes down to. The more that you know the Scriptures yourself, the more you will be able to discern truth from falsehood. The more you will be able to know right from almost right. But you've got to know the Scriptures. You can't just rely on me to spoon-feed it to you. You've got to be in the Word for yourself, reading and studying and applying it. That is your best defense. And, of course, it is the best thing to nurture your own walk with God and draw you deeper into His grace and into His presence. But it will help you. As teaching comes along, the more of an understanding you have of Scripture, the more you'll be able to filter what you're hearing through your own knowledge and understanding of these things. So know your Bible. Thirdly, seek wisdom in community. This is really where we need each other, okay? If you're just out there yourself trying to figure all this out, well, is this a false teacher or is this just error? I don't really know. These things are hard to understand. And honestly, it's hard to bring it across in a 30-minute message. We need each other. In, like if you're coming across something online, someone uh, did this with me the other day. They, they're, they're into a particular teaching, some podcast they're listening to. They came and had a chat and said, look, this, this person, it seems good. It seems sound. Can you have a listen? Great. Okay. I mean, I can't listen to every podcast for you, but I can listen to some. We've got other staff and elders who can. This is part of our job. Like, as staff and elders, we are shepherds. One of the roles of the shepherds is to look after and protect the sheep from the wolves that come. So we want to help in this. And if you can draw on the wisdom that is here from the leaders of this church and others in your life group, test these things with them and say, hey, I'm into this teaching at the moment. I'm listening to this person. What do you think? Here's some of the things that are coming up. Here's some of the views that they're espousing. What do you think? Okay, well, you might get five different opinions, but it's a good start. And at least it's not just you out there in isolation trying to figure all this stuff out. You're much more susceptible to being led astray when you're on your own. 
Stick with the sheep. Stick with the rest of the sheep. And there's safety in numbers from the wolves. And finally, keep character and content together. Don't just focus on the substance of whatever teaching you are hearing, but always ask yourself, is this reflected in the life of that person? It's never just information. It should be good theology, should always be embodied in a life, and it should be reflected in the behaviors of a person and a community. So keep those things together. Have a holistic approach to this. It will help you with discernment. And that's also a good reminder for us as Christians to keep our own character and the content of what we believe together, right? It's not just about believing certain things and saying, yes, I'm going to tick this theological box. It is also about, for every one of us, the life of Jesus being expressed in community. So let's be people who develop this virtue of discernment, who really cultivate wisdom. Lord knows we need it. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard. You know, the good news is that the Bible promises God will give us the wisdom that we need if we ask him for it. This is the book of James. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all and it will be given to him. So God doesn't play games with you. God wants you to know the truth. God, of course, doesn't want you to be led down the wrong path. He wants you to stay on the narrow road. So as we ask him, as we surround ourselves with other followers of Jesus, walk in the road with us, as we immerse ourselves in Scripture, and as we remain vigilant, God will give us the wisdom and the discernment that we need. So may we be people of deep, true discernment, real wisdom, able to know truth from error, able to know right from almost right, and people who keep together the teachings of Jesus and the life that Jesus has called us to live. Because after all, isn't that what the Sermon on the Mount is all about? Let's pray. Jesus, I'm really aware that there's lots of complicated stuff in what we've talked about today. And that within your words, Jesus, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of layers. God, I'm, I'm just conscious of that. I'm just feeling that. And so, God, I just want to lift this to you. And I want to ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just apply your words, press your words onto the hearts of each person. God, I want to pray over this community here and just particularly for those, God, who may be susceptible to some kind of teaching or, or group or leadership that's just not healthy, just not good. And I want to pray you'd open their eyes. God, for any who are in danger of walking down the wrong paths, we want to pray this, the prayer of Psalm 23, that you would guide us along paths of righteousness for your name's sake. God, keep us walking along the path of truth. Keep us aware and alert to those that may draw us to the left or the right. And God, help us in our own lives to continue drawing on your strength and your power to live out these teachings that you've given us. God, we, just, we don't just want to believe things. Your word says even the demons believe. 
Even the demons believe in God. But God, we don't want to just be believers. We want to be disciples. And so show us truth. Lead us into that truth. Shape and mold our lives. And keep us walking on the narrow road. We pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.